So what is a mastermind and why should I become a part of one? Was that the first question? Oh yeah. Okay. Yes, it uh, is. All right. <laughs> I stumped so, you. Yeah, you caught me. You caught I mean, me you great. are the king of masterminds, right? You put them on the roadmap. Uh, yeah, I guess. So I, I host one mastermind and then I'm a member of three. Uh, and so I'll talk about from a consumer standpoint and then a producer standpoint. Uh, for me, in my business, not to sound arrogant, I know what I need to do in my business. There's a there's a million things I'd love to learn. So I'm not trying to sound like a know-it-all. But when it comes to how I make money, I don't need another tip or trick or another strategy. I just need to implement. So why I continue to spend six figures a year, over six figures a year, as a member of the various masterminds I'm a member of, is the networking and the community. And it's being able to have conversations about my business with either someone who's in a similar vertical or completely different, which is also very helpful from someone with a whole different perspective to give me feedback directly on my business while simultaneously making connections. I actually just had this conversation on Saturday with a group of people uh, going over the history of since about 2015 when I started investing in masterminds and how literally about 80% of the money I expect to make this year is going to come from collaboration or partnerships with people I met in a mastermind. So crazy that this year, again, businesses could do better or worse depending on whatever, but, but oh, yeah. if things happen similar this year to how they did last year, at the end of this year, again, about 80% of my income will come from someone that I'm either a business partner with or collaborating with that I met at a mastermind. So for me, it's how do I find high-level entrepreneurs that uh, think and act like I do, that are movers and shakers and crushing it in business and in life. And for me, masterminds where people like that go. Uh, from a production standpoint of why I host my own uh, yeah. is for a similar reason. Um, once you're like the dude that's hosting it, mm -hmm. uh, I now, instead of having to be a member and try to find people, I know who everyone is. Everyone knows who I am. And uh, I would say that the most profitable businesses I've started uh, have come with partnerships from people that are a paying member of my mastermind. So I guess if you look at the common theme there, it's the people. It's, it's not that I'm looking for some speaker to blow my mind with content I'd never heard before on a podcast, read in a book, or you know, seen somewhere on the internet. Uh, I'm just looking for the people, and it's the best way to get it. So like, why do single people go to like single club meetups for speed dating? It's like, yes. well, that's the, best, that's the best chance of meeting another single person is to go to like a singles meetup. Well, where do I go to find business partnerships and collaborations? Business masterminds. So before I come back to masterminds, everybody, if you want to put a name to the face or a face to the voice or, you know, uh, you know what I'm talking about, Cole Hatter, everybody, uh, be sure to check out attendthrive.com. It's his conference is uh, usually yearly, right? For the yep, most part, every it's, year. It's, it's every year. Um, it's in May 1st to 3rd this year in Las yep. Vegas, MGM Grand. Check out attendthrive.com. Previous speakers, you know, have included pretty much, you name it, uh, Eric Thomas, uh, Gary V, Ty Lopez, for, uh, Andy Frisella, yep. Bradley. I mean, there's there's just too many names. Uh, I could keep going. I could. The list just goes on and on. Who are some? Uh, who are some of the big ones this this year? Um, I don't know when this podcast is coming out. Yeah, because you don't want to reveal it, right? Yeah, we're going to announce them in stages. Uh, okay. So for for now, we'll just say head to the website and take a peek because <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to say yeah. someone that we're not yet announcing. Okay. But, 
some of the names you just mentioned are coming back. We'll, we'll say that, that, uh, uh, you know, we, we try to keep the majority of our speaker lineup brand new faces, but at the same time, now that we're in our sixth year and, and to your point, like basically everyone has spoken at thrive that you'd want to hear from, from Gary V to Robert Hershevec to Andy and Ed and ET and all these guys. So, so inevitably you end up bringing them back because at that level, there's only, you know, two dozen or so. And basically they've all been to Thrive at one point or another. So some of the names you just mentioned are coming back and then some, some new up and comers that have hit the scene with a big splash that are crushing it right now as well. And uh, I guess head to attend thrive.com to see which ones we've revealed thus far. And I can, I can speak for it myself because I've been there the last two years and it was definitely uh, the, the best entrepreneurship event I've been at for sure. I don't attend many events uh, at all. So I, I've pretty much only been to entrepreneurship ones. And it's definitely changed my outlook on life, on business, just because uh, how, many, how many people are touched by it. You know, when people go there, there's definitely that feel yeah, of thousands. energy in the room. So yeah, well, thanks, yeah. man. I appreciate that. And yeah, I mean, we work really hard to make it a classy event. And obviously, one thing that separates us above and beyond having amazing speakers is the fact that there's no selling. None of the speakers sell. I don't sell. And so yes. a lot of times you go to these big conferences with huge names and those names attract a lot of people because the, the creator of the event wants the most people in the audience to sell stuff to. Right. And oh, so, yeah. and fun. that's fine. I mean, <laughs> you know, hopefully when you go to pitch fests, you gather enough value from the speakers. I have found that what a lot of speakers will do is they'll just speak in broad generalities, but if you want the real meat and potatoes, you got to buy their course. And that is oftentimes what happens and frustrating. There are other events where they create amazing content and offer a program. But even if you don't buy the program, you've got a lot of really great content that made your time worth it. Uh, we don't even play that game. We just literally teach for three days. I bring in amazing speakers that just give their absolute best content and that's the end of it. And so that's another reason why our event has exploded with the success it's had is it's the mm -hmm. only one I've heard of at all left that doesn't pitch the entire time. Yeah. I, it's hard to even go to a conference like that after attending Thrive. Right. Because you automatically are like, oh, this is what I was missing. Yep. But, but, you know, there's always another side to these things, you know, to masterminds, to conferences. Do you think any of this is a fad? You know, especially now, the, the, the economy we're in. Things are going up, 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 up. You know, some of us that were younger, we don't remember a, a downturn. We, do, we don't even know what that is. We, we don't even think that's imaginable. Do you think all this holds up, you know, long term? <laughs> So the economy, absolutely not. Uh, if for anyone who's ever studied economic cycles, we go up, down, up, down forever. You know, five steps forward, two steps back, five steps forward. So, so can the economy sustain? Absolutely not with certainty. And that has nothing to do with Trump. Uh, whether Trump gets reelected, we get a new president. It, it, it's all that doesn't matter. We have cycles, okay? As far as entrepreneurship being as big of a fad as it is right now, I think it will simmer down. As far as conferences like this existing, I think that those might evolve, but they're not going anywhere. Because since way before we were born, there were the Jim Rohns of the world and the Zig Ziglar's uh, who Zig Ziglar was alive in our lifetime. He, he passed in 2012. But those iconic people uh, were around on the stages way back in the 70s and 80s. So um, we, the people have been attending personal development, self-help, entrepreneurial events forever, and I think always will. Um, but uh, this like you're either an entrepreneur or you're not cool fad, I think oh, yeah. will simmer down. Um, and so maybe there will be less conferences and maybe the conferences will be smaller. But I mean, I guess I gave you three answers to one question. Can the economy sustain? Absolutely not. Uh, will 
live events exist forever? I believe yes, they might change in size and, and the deliverable, but yes, will entrepreneurship be a huge fad? I do not believe so. Uh, not like it is now. Um, but I think that we'll never go back to where everybody just gets jobs. You know, just 20 years ago, being an entrepreneurship was, or being an entrepreneur was totally taboo. Uh, what was the smart thing to do was go to school, get good grades, graduate with a degree and go get a secure job. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think we'll ever go back 20 years ago where everybody wants jobs. Uh, but I do realize that a lot of people who think they're entrepreneurs who quit their jobs and just become like a self-help coach. And while the economy is as frothy as it is, they get people to pay them five, 10 grand for their coaching. And you know, they do that 20, 30 times a year and yeah, I've replaced my, my salary at work. Oh, yeah. I'm a real life entrepreneur. But then as the economy starts to, you know, whether it's correct recession, whatever it is, and those people aren't willing to pay them anymore, they're going to learn pretty quickly. They weren't entrepreneurs. And I think that that's where the fad will start to, you know, diminish a little bit. Yeah. Cause right now there's pretty much a coach for everything. There's oh, plenty totally. of them. Yep. And, everywhere. And without any credibility, without needing any type of license, like just, you know, anybody who hates their job and has listened to a couple of podcasts like this, the next day they're a coach. Um, and for many of them that are only making 80 to a hundred thousand dollars a year at their job, realize they only need 15 clients in a year to match their income. So it's not that hard to make that leap. Um, but we'll see when the economy starts shifting. I'm one of the lucky ones uh, that I started my business in 2005. So I lived the 2008 recession in my current business. And well, I have five businesses now, but in my real estate business. Um, and so even though I'm in my mid thirties, I'm kind of an old dog that I've been yeah, doing right? for 15 years. <laughs> I was going to say that I, that I, am I interviewing the right guy here? <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny because yeah. so many people caught this entrepreneur wave. And yeah. if I'm in a room of 50 people, 42 of them have started their business since 2011, like post recession, right? They were in the recession, they hated their job. And then afterwards they went yeah. and started a company. Uh, not a lot are like the Gary V's who were actually in business pre-recession um, and so I, I always caution these current entrepreneurs and any of your listeners, I'm not hating on you. This is being a smart operator or a smart owner. Look at your deliverable, look at your product or your service, your offer, and ask yourself if 2008 came, how would you do? Because a lot of people have only owned their businesses in an up, 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 up market and have no mm -hmm. idea what it's going to look like when that market starts to correct. So, you know, don't, don't just put your head in the sand and be like, nope, I'm super smart and everyone loves me. So I'm going to make it. Uh, maybe, but maybe not. And so at least evaluate, okay, if 2008 came, how would my business change? So let's talk about Thrive, for instance. I started Thrive in 2015. So I have no idea how it's going to fare in upcoming correction, recession, sure. depression, but I can have an idea that instead of 2000 people showing up, maybe only 500 will show up, right? And so it's like, I have an idea that personal development is going to get hit when someone's struggling to pay rent or a mortgage, they're not going to buy a ticket to Thrive, pay for a flight in a hotel room, they're going to save what they can to pay their bills. So I know that this, this business in particular is very vulnerable mm -hmm. uh, in the next you know, economic correction or whatever it becomes. Uh, but I'm aware of that and I'm okay with it. And I've got other businesses that will sustain me. So diversifying is the thing that you're doing. Yeah, but, but see, that's a fine line to walk because then it becomes shiny object syndrome where, okay, I'm going to diversify. I'm going to chase every opportunity that comes my way. Well, you don't want to do that either because then you're not going to have any businesses. So it's building a business, establishing it, creating systems, and then bringing in either employees or partners to run the day-to-day -day operations and then start the next one and then start the next one. And it's not something that happens in days, weeks, or months. This is like, you know, start a business, spend a year or two systemizing it, scaling mm -hmm. it creating those, you know, standard operating procedures, outsource it, and then do the next. So you've been in entrepreneurship now for a while and I, I'm not, I'm definitely newer to it than you, but you know, 
from what I've known already and from the research I've done and people I've interviewed, you know, it's a dark, dark place. Like it's, it's not easy. It's not for everyone. Right. Why, why do people even want to do it? Why do you want to do it? And did you have a moment, you know, of darkness? Cause I mean, it, you know, some, essentially you're putting it all on you. Some could say, some say it's very narcissistic, you know, like some say that that's what you're betting on yourself, right. For the long run. Yeah. What are your takes on that? Uh, so why do people do it? Your first question when it is as lonely and dark as it can be. Um, yeah. I think they just don't realize that. I think that they just get fret, fed up with their income uh, at their current job or maybe the job itself or maybe their are co- whatever. I just think that they think the grass is always greener on the other side. And in a lot of entrepreneurship, it can be. Uh, but then again, there are those dark and, and scary moments. Um, so, so why do people do it? I think that uh, for me in particular, I've been around long enough to know the pain. And I have an opportunity literally right now to, to collaborate in somebody else's business where although I would be an owner in that mm-hmm. particular offer, it would be under the umbrella of this other guy's business. And even though I'm a partner, I would be a minority partner. So I could have the pride of ownership but he would still be controlling it and ultimately would be building his empire. And it would be, we're talking millions this year if I would have said yes. And I did some soul searching with my wife and we were literally talking about it at Javier's last night. And I was like, uh, I'd already decided to pass. And then I had a little bit of FOMO. I was like, oh my gosh, I just left so much money. But I was telling her, I was like, you know what? I'd rather fail on my own than go build someone else's dream. And even though he was willing to offer me equity. So it felt like I was an owner. It was essentially building his company for him mm-hmm. and just getting rev share that would have made millions. But like for me, I want to do it on my own two feet. So I choose the pain. I choose the darkness because I would rather do that and to be able to, as I best can control my destiny than to ever be underneath someone else. And, and for me, the, the fear and the insecurity is, is less is less painful of a thought than going and working for someone else. I just don't want to work for somebody else. And so I'm willing to eat crap and have mm-hmm. dark, scary times where, you know, my monthly burn is hundreds of thousands of dollars when you look at employee salaries and all that stuff. And maybe we had a slow, whatever it is, like where I'm like, holy crap, how am I even going to pay my employees? But somehow magic always happens and, and we get through those dark seasons. And then we have seasons where we're just crushing it and there's money everywhere. I would rather go through that roller coaster than go sit at someone else's desk building someone else's dream. That's the bottom line for me. Um, and so that's why I do it. And, and then for anyone who's listening to this, thinking about taking that leap of faith, man, it's just like, choose your demons. Like, do you want to have to be where someone else tells you to be getting paid what someone else says you're worth and jumping through someone else's loopholes to build their dream for the security of knowing that money will always be there, assuming yeah. you don't lose your job. Or do you want to build your own dream uh, and, and do what you want when you want with who you want for however long you want and have to answer to nobody, but have the insecurity of, holy crap, if I even miscalculate one thing, I'm going to be bankrupt. Uh, and for me, I'd rather be bankrupt and say, hey, I went bankrupt all by myself than to go work for someone else, have them fire me and go bankrupt all the same, right? But did you ever go bankrupt? You know, did, you, uh, did, no. you, did you hit that dark, dark bottom? No, I've not gone bankrupt. Uh, I did in the recession lose properties to foreclosure. I was over leveraged on some of my rental properties. Uh, as a real estate investor, I had bought and leveraged homes, you know, with mortgages and uh, the homes went vacant. Uh, the property values were upside down. You've heard the story a thousand times. I owed more than it yeah. was worth. I couldn't yeah. afford the mortgage payment. So eventually it just foreclosed. So that destroyed my credit. It's, I mean, that was 11 years ago. My credit's fantastic now, but that was a really dark season. 
Uh, and even just recently, bro, I, I am choosing happiness right now. And I had a couple of businesses that were very lucrative that weren't serving me as a human being that I decided in August of last year to remove myself from. One, I just mm -hmm. shut down. The other, I was in a partnership and I decided to step away from. And that created a huge economic loss for me. So to be totally transparent, October, November, and early December of this last year, like we're talking 60 days ago, oh, yeah. was a very dark place for me because it's like, man, I was planning on a ton of money in Q4 mm -hmm. from opportunities that I on purpose walked away from that put me and my company in real financial stress. I had the money, but I know how much money I had and how much my business cost to run. And I knew when I would run out, it was going to be about Valentine's day. So in October, sometime around Halloween, I knew that if nothing changed, I would not be bankrupt, but I would be absolutely out of cash and like firing all my employees and shutting everything down by wow. like Valentine's day. So what do I, what did I do? Well, mm -hmm. I didn't suck my thumb in the fetal position and feel sorry for myself. I pivoted, I got to work, I busted my ass and now things are better. Uh, and we have enough cash coming in and cash reserves to make it until probably September of next year, if nothing changes. But I'm taking two products to market, uh, Q2, April 1st, they're going to hit market. And if they even do one-tenth of what they're supposed to, that's going to more than pass you know, all my bills. So, so to really be transparent with your audience in the dark season, it, on purpose, I walked away from income because I didn't want to be doing that anymore. I didn't want to be unhappy. Steve Jobs says, if you wake up in the morning, and you look in the mirror and you ask yourself, am I happy about what I have to do today? And the answer is no. And that keeps happening again and again and again and again and again. You got to change. And that's where I was. So at the, at the cost of financial security, I burned, burned those things to the ground, had to pivot, and now we're fine. But true story, man, October, like maybe up until around Thanksgiving time, there was a lot of like racing heart, like stressing mm -hmm. myself out, like what the hell did I just do? Why did I do this? And then I just remembered, I got this, I got the relationships, I got that, like, and then I, I just went to work and now we're fine. How did you get through those moments though? I, I know, I understand you pivoted and you made changes, but were you incorporating something new into your lifestyle? Were you having anxiety attacks? You know, uh, yeah, attacks? So, well, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go as far as, well, maybe the, I guess it was anxiety for sure. I don't know there was necessarily an anxiety attack, uh, but actually my wife, her presentation, she gave it Thrive 3 um, about um, manufactured confidence. She talked about our good friend, um, I don't know if it was actually Asraf. Yeah, it was Asraf. Our good friend, John Asraf has these breathing exercises and these three R's where you re recognize, reframe and release. And so literally breathing as ridiculous as that sounds. Um, I've started meditation this year. One of my personal goals, not business, but personal goals is to meditate regularly. Um, and so far so good. I'm using an app called Headspace, uh, but it's, it's all in my mind. So <clears throat> here's what I realized in October, November to get more specific to answer your question. I realized that I had money in my bank account. I wasn't empty yet. I had 90 plus days left. Mm -hmm. I realized that I have the knowledge in my brain to make money. I realized I had the work ethic and the skill sets. And I realized that I had relationships, the people to call on, to collaborate with, or just to be mentors in this dark season. So I realized I had all of the recipe, all of the ingredients I needed to succeed. It was just my own brain playing tricks on me. It was playing disaster movies in my own mind. And I realized that it was 100% my own brain that was self-sabotaging myself. So then I looked into what can I do with my brain to make me feel like abundant and confident and not scared and uh, you know fearful that I'm going to lose it all. And, uh, and I started doing what my buddy Ryguy calls mental reps, where in my brain, I would ask myself a question like, okay, I'm feeling like there's a possibility I can go bankrupt and lose my whole company by February. But is there supporting evidence for that? 
well, no, I've got a ton of money in my bank account, like a ton of money. Uh, so then where's this fear coming from? Ah, there's no more money going into my bank account where there normally is. So, so I've got a ton of cash and I've got a bunch of bills. The problem is there's no money going into it. So what can I do about that? Well, what assets do I have that can generate revenue right now? Okay, I've got these things. What people can I call to partner with? Okay, I've got these people. All right, so then why don't I just, let's, it's almost like you're talking to yourself in your brain. So then why don't I just collect those assets, make those phone calls, create something new and take that to market because I'm not bankrupt yet. I got 90 to 100 days of, again, comfort. Uh, so why don't I, in that time period, build something new? And that's exactly what we did. So it was like literally, instead of being in that fight or flight mode in my brain, I like stepped away from my own self like looked down on my situation and started asking questions like, should I feel like this? It's not like I just went overdraft. It's not like my bank account was negative. Dude, I had a ton of money. I just knew how long it would last. And it was a little scary. So that's what I did. And, and I'm trying to be brief in my answers, but I would encourage anybody listening to this to like have those internal, con like your internal monologue, ask those questions of like, I'm panicking and freaking out on this thing. Is there supporting evidence that says I should? And what can I do about it? If you are an athlete, muscles matter. Like let's say you're a track star and you pull your hamstring, you're screwed. Like your muscles matter. As an entrepreneur, it's your brain. Everything, all the success we have is how we're able to handle stress, how we're able to like operate. And if you're failing, no offense, it's 100% your brain not doing what it needs to do to make your business succeed. And so that's think, what I focused on. Do you think that risk is worth it? Because I feel like a lot of these entrepreneurs, sometimes they're losing it. And you know, it, it does really affect the brain. You think it'll be worth it in the long term with, with the big entrepreneurship fad? Um, I think so. I mean, for me specifically, yeah. Um, I've, I've been doing it for 15 years now. The last time I cashed someone else's check was quite a long time ago. Uh, so I'm kind of used to it. Uh, either cold or hot water. We just heated up my jacuzzi. And I don't know if you've ever gotten a jacuzzi, but at first it's like burning your skin and you got to get in like one inch at a time. But mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you get used to it and it's comfortable. Or the opposite, you jump in the ocean. I surf all the time. And even wearing a wetsuit, that first time you duck dive, that first wave and it washes over, you're like, ah, oh, but then you get acclimated to it. I feel like I'm acclimated to the stress that is entrepreneurship. I feel like my threshold of tolerance of fear and anxiety is much further down than what normal people would tolerate as a day-to-day -day, uh, level of, again, stress and anxiety. And so I think that that's just part of the game. But, but again, at the end of the day, uh, like right now, uh, we're recording this at 1130. We have a friend visiting from Canada. Today's his last day. And we just decided at uh, two o'clock, we're going to go catch a movie. And we're going to watch a movie from like two to four. And then we're going to take our kids to Dave and Buster's and they're going to go play in the arcade. And I'm just going to take the whole second half of the whole day off and go screw around. I can do that any day I want, whenever I want, right? And so that type of freedom of being able to be like, oh, it's your last day, screw it. I'll be done by two o'clock and we're just gonna go play the whole rest of the day. I can do that anytime, any day. And for me, those that type of freedom, that's not that exciting, but that's just what's happening yeah. today. If my wife said, let's go to Paris on Friday, I could do that too. Like, so, so that freedom makes it worth those dark, scary moments. Um, and, and it is what it is, I guess, but it's not for everybody. And you know what? While we're on this topic, because we've been kind of, uh, focusing on this for a moment. Yeah. I want to encourage people that you don't have to be an entrepreneur. You don't have to be somebody's number one. Exactly. Gary V talks a little bit about this as well. And I did this early on in my career. Being someone's like number two through five uh, can be where you want to spend your entire career. I tell you what, there's this guy named Andrew who works for me now. Uh, he's 25 years old. He came to thrive. He freaking stalked me for years. I finally gave him a shot. Turns out he's a fantastic employee. There is no doubt in my mind that in that guy's thirties, he will be a multimillionaire. 
I will never pay him a million dollar a year salary, but I am giving him opportunity to co-own and partner with things that I'm building, just like Microsoft's early employees, which I'm not trying to say I'm the next Bill Gates, but just like his early employees who got equity and, and pieces of the business went on to become multimillionaires yeah. themselves. There's no doubt in my mind that Andrew will be a multimillionaire in his 30s and he will never own his own business. He's just my right-hand guy who is 20 feet away from me right now over in the office. <laughs> and with his proximity to me, the relationships that he now has of my network of guys like Ed Milet and Andy Versella that when they see Andy, or sorry, when Andy and Ed see my guy, Andrew, they give him a huge high five and a hug. And they say, what's up, Andrew? Like his network now, if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, he'd be able to call Andy, call Ed, call Eric Thomas, call any of my guys and be like, Cole got hit by a bus. Can I come work for you? And he would have that. So to be clear, I like the self-torture of being an entrepreneur for whatever reason. It's, I don't know, maybe I'm some sadist or something. Is it addictive? I, I don't think that it's addictive, but I just, uh, you know, the, the pain of being an entrepreneur is, is 49% bad, but the freedom is 51% awesome. So it's just enough to keep me just, going. I'm not saying it's yeah. easy. Like, there are days where I am out. Like I'll literally quit, go for a jog. And then after I'm done feeling sorry for myself and get home from my jog, I'm right back in the saddle. So, so to be clear, it's not like it's all puppy dogs and lollipops. Honestly, anyway. I probably hate being an entrepreneur 49%, love it 51%, which is just enough to keep going. But everybody doesn't have to have that pressure. You can be like Andrew and find someone to be there. Uh, again, not, not number 85 in the company, but be in that proximity where you're close enough to them that you can learn things from them. Obviously, I pay Andrew well, but the opportunities and where he's going to become a multimillionaire is the network that I'm now sharing with them and the deals that we're all doing together. He just made an investment right now mm -hmm. where since uh, August of last year where he made the investment, he's almost tripled his money. And, uh, you know, at his point, tripling his money, it wasn't a massive investment yeah, to begin with. Half a year, but he, he's going to have, yeah, he's going yeah. to have those opportunities again and again and again. So to be clear for the listeners, you don't have to own your own business. You can be someone's number two through five and easily be as rich. So if me or the listeners are looking to invest in your opportunities, where do, where do we go? So <laughs> obviously thrive. Um, I'm not like a coach. I don't have a bunch of funnels out there. That's, that's not my thing. I own, I don't want to say I own real. Oh, no, no, no. Obviously I'll I, I want to be a part of this Microsoft deal you're talking about, you know? Oh, now that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's very the different because <laughs> these are these are actual funds. These are big deals. They're SEC regulated. I literally am not even legally allowed to talk about it because the SEC is crazy yeah. uh, as far as quoting rates and returns and stuff. But, but they're big deals. Uh, some of these are apartment buildings through what are called syndications where uh, we have like a Reg D fund. You would need to be an accredited investor to even have the conversation with us. I got to give you a PPM. It's a big deal. It's not like, hey, it's an inside deal, which is like sneaky, sneaky. Um, but we'll talk, uh, we'll talk after. Up. We'll talk after. Okay, cool. <laughs> but how how has all this affected your uh, your relationship with your parents? Like, was it as good back then as it is now when you made yeah. it? Yeah, I'm, I'm one of the very few who my parents have been together for 52 years and still are obsessed with each other. There's some people whose parents stay together because it's more convenient than divorce. My parents act like they're still in high school. They were high school sweethearts in the 60s. And again, they still act like they're in high school. It's gross. My dad will smack my mom's butt in public. I'm like, dude, you can't do that. That's elder abuse now. Right? You're 70 years old, bro. Um, but so, so with, with that type, and for any of you who are or want to be parents, I 100% give a massive part of my success today, a massive part of that comes from the stability I had at home. I had parents who weren't just together, but obsessed with each other. And that, that environment, that ecosystem they created at home was a lot of what 
put me together as a little boy to grow up and do the type of work I'm doing in the world today. So that's something for all of us as parents to learn. So for me, I have always had a very close relationships with my parents my entire life. Uh, my dad was always the coach of all my sports teams and they would watch me, you know, do these tournaments nationally where we go on airplanes and go to the other side of the country. Like, like they've always been supportive. And now that I'm not an athlete anymore, I'm an entrepreneur. They just, they come to thrive. So, so what used to be Cole's football tournaments or soccer tournaments or whatever it was, it's now Cole's conference called thrive. And so mm -hmm. to them, it's just nothing new. They just support their kid. And so awesome. a lot of you guys see my mom and dad walking through the audience, mm -hmm. <laughs> you see them in my story and it's like, Oh, that's funny. You include them. It's just how it's always been. It's just, it's, it's not my little, it's not my little league game anymore. It's, it's a uh, freaking thrive. But, uh, so, so that was a long answer to, to a very simple question. Yeah. Uh, we are as close no. as we've ever been. Thrive hasn't made us any more or less close. Uh, it's just the newest thing we do as a family. And, and what were your grades like? Were they, were they on you about that or? No, I mean, yeah, they'd give me crap. I basically made an agreement with my parents and based on who I was as a child, they didn't really have much of a choice that I was, I was quote unquote intelligent enough that if I worked my ass off, could have had good grades. I just didn't care. There was no ROI. Uh, I had to have, I think a 2.2 or above to stay on sports. So I had like a 2.3. I literally did exactly what I needed to do to not get kicked off my sports. Cause that's all that mattered to me. After college, I knew that I wanted to be a firefighter, which I went on to do. And I knew that getting into my academy, grades didn't matter. You had to do your physical agilities and your prerequisite tests, et cetera. But they didn't care what my GPA was. So I said, mom and dad, I don't care about working my ass off and staying home on Saturdays instead of surfing to study my butt off to ace a test when a C keeps me in sports. I'm going to go half-ass it and get a C. And then when I become a firefighter, they don't care about that C. So I like basically explain to my parents, like, you can pressure yeah. me to study and get a tutor and like work my butt off. It's not going to change my perspective. I'm going to stay in sports and I'm going to be a firefighter. And that's it. So I was like a C student. Um, because uh, to be completely honest, I just, I didn't care. There was no yeah. ROI in a good grade for me, uh, or a better grade. Some, some things came natural though, for whatever. I was always good at math. I always had a good grade in math. I have no idea why my brain works for math. Um, and like English, for whatever reason, I always crushed English, but history, uh, no offense to any of the historians <laughs> learning about some European yeah, right. dictator from mm. 800 years ago. I just didn't care. I better hope my fiance doesn't listen to this episode. Yeah, sorry. <clears throat> hey, to each their own. She could hate hey, math. Hey, we can see how you had the entrepreneurship uh, spirit, you know, from the very beginning. But now we're on to our last segment and our listeners' favorite segment of the show. Welcome to the round with no name because they're all taken. He's on right now. Serious Miro is going to come out. There we go. You get you get approximately five seconds to answer each question. Um, okay. Otherwise, my producer. He always lurks in my studio and he comes out and gives us a hard time. So just don't, don't think about it too much. Just, just boom. Okay. What is your favorite book? Oh gosh. John C. Maxwell. Thank you for a change. Boom. What is your favorite movie? Um, Avatar. Cause it's on my wall right there. <laughs> I'm in my I, movie theater right I now. I noticed. I noticed what, uh, if you had an unlimited amount of money right now and you could start up any business, it has to be a, like an actual, not a non-for-profit, and you had about $100 million, let's say, what would it be? $100 million? Yeah. I'd start an automotive company. I'd build cars. If you were stranded on an island, and this will help you prepare in case you might be soon, what is the one item you want with you? Can't be oh. a person. Oh, I was just going to say my wife. Um, All right. Can't be a person? Uh, the straw that I take with me to Africa where I can drink any water and it filters it in the straw. So it's drinkable water. 
Oh, that is genius. That is genius. I've actually thought about that and mentioned it to someone before. No one's ever said it until you. So yeah, I've got boss, like actually I've got like two hundred of them in my garage. Nice. Sounds like an investment opportunity. How do you drink your coffee? I don't drink coffee. I hate it. Ooh, curveball. Do you drink tea? Nope. No caffeine at all? No, I do drink caffeine. I drink uh, uh, like pre-workouts. I work out every day, eight to nine, and my pre-workout at 7.30 sustains me for the rest of the day. Which one do you currently consume? Um, my buddy's got me onto these bang, um, which is kind of like Rockstar, but supposedly healthy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, you know, are, are they all any, are they all, health, are they, are any of them ever healthy though? Right? Well, so that's what I said, man. <laughs> Putting 300 milligrams of caffeine in your body in a 40 minute period can't be healthy. Where you start supposedly. shaking and yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I only drink half. I only drink half to be clear. I stopped now, but I could talk about that for days when I like. Dude, they're back. scary. They There's are. So many. Oh, but I, they swear that this one's Jacked? different. It's not like you, a rock star or a red ball. It's like all vitamins or whatever. Do you remember Jacked? No. That one? Oh, that was a crazy one. They banned it eventually. Uh, <laughs> but uh, last but not least, if we were going to have a serious meeting, I came up to you and I said, we're going to make millions together. And I showed up with socks and sandals. How would you feel about that? Um, are you wearing pants? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you said socks and sandals, so that's, that makes a big difference. Could be shorts. Uh, yeah. Okay. So uh, it would make no difference to me because I'd probably be wearing board shorts and be barefoot. So I would be like, awesome. nice socks, bro. Awesome. Well, I'm back. You survived. I survived. My producer did not come out. Thanks, Cole Hatter. I really appreciate you being on this show. Everybody be sure to check out Thrive Conference uh, coming up. Attend Thrive. Make Money Matter. This May 1st or 3rd. Go, go to attendthrive.com. It's going to be in Las Vegas. Super excited for that. I know you are. I know you got a lot going on. I want to thank you for taking the time out to be on the show here. Uh, you know, final thoughts, uh, closing, uh, all you. Yeah, well, come out to the event. We'd love to have you. But if you can't make it, uh, the whole premise is to work your ass off in business, to have the financial means to make an impact in the world. And so I would just close by saying, live a great life, but no one's going to care about the cars you drove or the houses you lived in. They're only going to care about the meaningful impact you made in their lives with the time and resources you had available. So become as wealthy and have as many resources as you can to make as big of an impact as you possibly could. Mic drop. Boom. Thanks so much for being on. Looking forward to, uh, to everything to come. See Take you care. soon. That is all for this episode of Bossed to Boss. Your next step is to visit bossedtoboss.com where you will find proven techniques followed by professionals to help you make that next step. Again, that is bossed, the number two boss.com. And remember, the time is now.